0: Welcome to F1 Coffee Corner, Full Beans. I'm your host as always, Terry, and I'm here to keep you up to date with all of the unbiased, hard-hitting Formula 1 news. So grab your favourite mug of coffee, sit down, strap in and get yourself comfortable to join in the conversation. Because this is F1 Coffee Corner. This is Full Beans, the must-have podcast for all Formula 1 fans. Welcome to F1 Coffee Corner, Full Beans, the podcast, I'm your host as always, Terry, and welcome back to The Coffee Corner. It's been far too long since we've asked someone these, so here I am with another podcast for you. And what have we got to look forward to in this latest episode? We've got, of course, the Expressing News, bringing you all of the latest news as it happens in the world of Formula One. We've got the Coffee Corner chat where we're going to be talking about Obviously, the Dutch Grand Prix, the one that's just gone by. And then finally, with the takeaway, we're going to be looking ahead to this weekend and Monza. And of course, the home of Ferrari and what that's looking like going into this weekend. So- right, let's start with the espresso news. So the big news that obviously came out of last week is, of course, Danny Ricardo and his broken hand now he obviously suffered that accident in i believe it was fp2 on friday if my memory serves me correctly um avoiding a collision with oscar piastri he had a choice of either plowing into the side of oscar or going into the barriers he chose the barriers snapped back on the steering wheel fractured his hand um now originally we were led to believe it was quite a straightforward break but we're now learning it's not a straightforward first thought now He's obviously flown to Barcelona to be operated on by the same surgeon who operated on, Lance Roll, who's actually renowned for this sort of injury and does a lot of motorbike injuries, um, various other sports as well. So very experienced doctor, very used to dealing with this sort of thing. So he underwent an operation on Sunday and he is out for you know, a number of weeks now. Alfa and Red Bull have both declared that obviously Liam Lawson will continue to deputise. Um, yeah, more to come on Liam Lawson on a short while in the coffee shop. But, yeah, Liam Lawson has got a great opportunity to step in. He's got a fabulous sort of chance to take his claim. Alpha Tower, we know, is a team that's been struggling. And actually, if he continues and gets some points on the board, it's going to make for some really interesting decisions ahead of him. But anyway, back to Danny Ricciardo. He's going to be out for a number of weeks. He's certainly obviously missing from Monza this weekend, which is what we all expected. And, uh, yeah, we're hearing that Singapore is a target for him. Realistically, it just depends how fast he heals. Um, no one thought that Lance roll would get back in the car like he did. So the fact that actually um we're saying Singapore and kind of going really it's it's really unknown. We know that there was metal rods inserted, but then Lance had an operation very similar. So yeah, I, I honestly don't want to call it these these athletes have an amazing ability to bounce back a lot quicker than than what we what we would imagine them to do. So I wouldn't be at all surprised. I know that Danny is targeting Singapore which is the noise we're hearing from Red Bull, so it remains to be seen. But that is probably the biggest story that's come out of, you know, certainly last weekend and obviously, you know, the summer break, which from a news point of view was pretty dire, let's be honest about it. It was pretty spectacularly boring. And, yeah, let's debunk some of the rumours while we're here. So, Charles Leclerc clearly didn't sign a new contract, like many outlets were reported over the summer break. Um, this one right here told you the news that he hadn't signed it, so... Yeah, very happy that I got that one and called that one right. Um, but yeah, there's no new contract at the moment for Charles Leclerc at Ferrari. Now, we know there's talks apparently starting and going on and that they want a longer term contract. But as of present, he is not signed. Same to be said of Lewis Hamilton. So Lewis Hamilton was the other rumour. The thing that annoys me is we get these rumours from these news agencies where they go, oh, we're going to hear the Lewis Hamilton announcement before the Dutch Grand Prix. And then the Dutch Grand Prix has obviously been in God. No announcement because he hadn't signed, as, again, I called it. Um, but those those outlets don't go back to that story or no one picks him up on it. So no one picks him up and says, oh, by the way, you know, don't, weren't you calling Lewis Hamilton was going to sign a new contract and it was going to be announced before Samford? Yeah, and this is where maybe we need to get better at holding some of these news outlets to account because they just print rubbish and run away with it. And that's it. There's no repercussion. There's no sort of comeback because the daily news kicks in and everyone completely forgets that, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, they were pretty much making up stories just to get clicks on their websites. But, yeah, that's another beef for the other day. But no, no new contract for Lewis Hamilton. Biggest stumbling block for Lewis Hamilton um, seems to be around a base salary. Now, as his current contract stands at the moment after 2021, well, when he signed the new one, after what happened in Abu Dhabi, he obviously waited to the end of the season. There was a big delay, if you remember, that he signed his new two-year deal. Well, in that was the original sort of bonus structure, which was around... He gets about a £15 million win bonus for winning the championship. Now, obviously, with the Mercedes being as um, competitive as it currently is, the chance of getting that money is very, very slim. And Lewis knows that. And it looks like he's holding out for a bigger base salary than what he currently has to mitigate some of that cost now. I'm not for one minute suggesting he's holding out for a £15 million extra base salary what he's saying is he should have a bigger base salary and less of a win bonus because of the car position. Obviously, Mercedes are playing a bit of a hardball on that, which you can completely understand. And yeah, we've got this log ahead. Realistically, there's not really many places for Lewis to go. So Mercedes has got that in their back pocket. Um, But likewise, Lewis knows how valuable he is to Mercedes in terms of marketing, advertising, all of the other things that he does. So He's playing that arm and saying, well, actually, you make all this money off the back of me being your driver, which is a fair comment, and certainly they have done over the years. And what he's saying for is he deserves to slice that pie. So it's going to be really interesting on this one because the latest rumour that we heard was it wasn't about length and it wasn't about money. So if that's the case, why has it not been signed? That kind of doesn't fit with what we're seeing and what we're hearing. Yeah, So I firmly believe that one. I think that actually it's to do with the base salary and that he wants higher, Mercedes are holding back a bit on it and playing hardball. Contract length is the other thing we're hearing about. With Lewis, I've talked quite often about this with a one-plus-one-year. That allows Mercedes to be into the driver market in 2024. It also allows Lewis the option to look around if he so wishes at the end of 2024 for the internet season as well, when that big driver market is in place. So it puts the driver and the car you yeah, know, drive around the team on notice so that they can shop around and sever ties if needs be. So I'm not surprised to hear it's a one plus one um, and that still fits what I was thinking originally. So yeah, that's the really big story in terms of contracts. Um, the other drivers and the other bits of contracts, we're hearing some noise that um, Joe is not safe at Alfa Romeo, which is coming as a bit of a blind side for the Dutch Grand Prix and the build-up to that. I pretty much had him on for a year extension, but we're hearing talk of um, finances and funding might be an issue. Um, for those who don't know, he's a obviously Chinese-sponsored driver. We know China's been very much hit with COVID. Yeah, they have not been able to host a Grand Prix amongst other things. And it seems like there's been a bit of uh, backing out from sponsors for Joe's, which might be causing him a problem with keeping his seats at, well, what will be Salba next year, because obviously Alfa Romeo's leaving, so effectively Salba. Um, they're obviously going to sit with Bottas. Um, Theo Porto is is the other rumoured name to be going into it. Again, wouldn't be a bad move. He's a uh, really good... To- yeah, really good young driver, um, but I would like to see them continue with Joey. If I'm being honest, I don't think he's done. Yeah, I don't think he's done too bad this this year. There's been a couple of crashes, but actually he's he's really improved. For me. And certainly beginning the season, he was actually outperforming Bottas so at the start of the season. So I think it will be a shame if he falls foul of not having the right sponsorship to stay in Formula One, um, which is always a big concern for these drivers when they're up and coming. In terms of other uh, the driver's seats, so. Yeah, Red Bull have gone, you know, quite extensive with Christian Horner saying that they're keeping Checo for next year. How many be painting a bit of a different picture? I still stand by what I said. I think Checo will be their driver for twenty twenty four. I think that he will be in that seat i don't think he will be renewed and extended from 2024 but i do think he will be their driver for next year and a lot of this is because i don't think there's a lot else on the grid that's available um so i think they are playing this this driver's cards where they're waiting for the driver market to open up as well even though they're rich with youngsters so it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out but i'm with christian on on this one i think we we'll see checo in the car in 2024 in terms of all of the other seats, you know, Ferrari are set to continue. We've got McLaren as I can say, but Oscar Piastri is out of contract, so that might pose a few a few issues for McLaren if they can't tie him down to a longer contract. We know lander has got 2025, Oscar's got 2024. Um, but he has got a year extension not option open, so I wouldn't be surprised to see McLaren next to sort of that, because um Oscar's had a really solid start to the season. Alpine look continues set with um Ocon and Gasly, Alpino are a team in trouble. We're going to come on to them in a the minute and they are very much a team in transition, aren't they? So, be interesting. well. And the biggest sort of name that's coming about in terms of being at risk is Logan Sargent. And there's talk that publicly Williams have backed him, privately, James Valves isn't happy with his return on the investment in Logan Sargent. And this also goes back to the fact that he hasn't actually employed him, he was employed by Just Capito before he took over. And has he done enough to secure his seat? So at the moment, I think, you know, when we come on to talk about the Dutch Grand Prix and Logan Sargent, we'll, we'll obviously touched on it in a bit more detail, but he looks a full-on figure, sat on the side banks in Zandvoort. So he's under pressure. He's feeling it. Um, I think he's at risk. I think that there's a few drivers who may be in the frame for it. Um, I think Mitch Schumacher will be highly touted, certainly from Mercedes' point of view. Um, which would then, of course, open the door for Nick De Rees to come back to Mercedes as a reserve driver. Interesting. Strange things happen in Formula 1. So, yeah, that's pretty much the take for it in terms of the driver market. Most of the top teams are signed for another season. It's this time next year where it's going to be silly season. So the beginning of next season is going to be OK. But as we get towards the sort of um, summer break next year, it's got the potential to just go. Let's be honest about it. Um, well, we've got Alpine. Now, Alpine obviously, you yeah, know, recently pretty much sacked to anyone to do with the Formula One project who wasn't a driver um, or who actually designed the car. So if you were a management at Alpine, you pretty much got your P forty five by looks of it. Um Bruno Famine is obviously taking over currently in an interim role. A lot of talk over whether or not um there's gonna be a takeover there. I do think a takeover, whilst I believe initial discussions have taken place, and that's what I've been hearing. I don't fully believe that it's in the pipeline anytime soon. And um, the reason for this is I think everyone wants a chance what the FIA are going to do about new team applications. Now, for those who don't know, the rumor is that Andretti are going to buy the end facility from Alpine and then take over the chassis side. And then Alpine stroke Renault will continue to make the engine side now and also from 2026 and supply them. On paper, it makes for a really good move. But reality is I think they want to see what happens to an 11th team coming in because I think Andresi would prefer to use their own factory, their own facilities and use Alpine's engine as a customer team, not actually taking over the, the factory. But I think if there's a lot of kickback about them coming in, I think that that's potentially when we're going to see... Um, Andretti step up this bid to actually buy Alpine and finally get himself into Formula 1. He would, of course, bypass the Concord Agreement by doing this, because if you take over an existing team, you pretty much get in there. So if you're a new team coming into Formula 1 eleventh team, you've got to be voted into the Concord Agreement, which is where the sticking block is, um, because the FIA is saying that they're going to approve new teams. The existing teams and Liberty Media, FOM management, whatever they're called, these eight are saying they're going to resist it and not allow them to be part of the Concord Agreement. Now, by not being part of the Concord Agreement, what that will do is give you no access to like the television money that they earn and um, some of the advertising and most importantly, the prize money as well. So, And also, you weren't going to vote on anything. So. You won't be able to vote on things. You won't play no part in it. So you'd be pretty much a dead duck in the world of Formula 1. And most likely you're going to go bankrupt and hemorrhage money. Even if you're a big team like Andretti who can afford it, you're going to be on a a money loss crusade, which no one's going to be happy about. So, yeah, that seems to be the big stumbling block. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Andretti and Alpine step up in pace if this 11th team coming onto the grid actually falls through there's talk about it being 12 as well with high being the other one so it remains to be seen it's typical of the fia though isn't it they said they're going to make an announcement and lo and behold nothing at all um what else have we got um cost cap yeah it's been a bit quiet on the cost cap front um fred vassar gave us the biggest update on the cost cap so he told us that in terms of the cost cap we can expect to hear early september was what he was saying was the fia had told the teams um That's not been confirmed by the FIA, nor has it been denied instantly. and they just keep saying it will take as long as it takes and that they want to get it right, which is understandable, and then wait and see. So um we heard about the three teams that were going over. I still stand by what I said at the time. I don't think that any team can actually categorically be say they they they're currently over. it's an initial preliminary yeah, you know, investigations. Of what happens is the teams submit their findings to the FIA, the FIA look at it and say, actually that's not right. We think you're over, give it back to the teams, and then teams can look at the detail, look at where the FIA have got some questions over, answer some questions, provide the evidence and bring it back into the cost gap. I think that's what's currently happening. I think that's where we're at, at the moment, where we've had the submissions go in. I think potentially three teams have been asked for more clarification. I think those teams are the teams with a lot of outside projects, which we know that Yeah, Formula One and the FIA are trying to clamp down on the FIA are really concerned about the impact of having these outside projects. So these are these advanced technology programs, road car projects, all of these things where technology has the potential to be used on Formula One car, but they're outside the cost cap, so you can pretty much spend what you want to. And what the FIA are concerned about is that a lot of teams are outsourcing their projects to these departments outsourcing their people even as well to these departments and then therefore reaping the benefits later on down the road with the cost cap so it is a big concern for the FIA it is an area they're looking at closely it is an area they they're hell-bent on sort of closing that loophole so I think that's where this confusion over the three sort of teams being over has come from I think it's 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 that I think that what's happened is there's been teams where they've gone back to and said we want you to clarify this so that remains to be seen. Obviously, in terms of what happens, if it's a minor breach like it was before, the only teams that would be potentially in trouble would be Aston Martin, because they did accept an ABA agreement, um, which was only a fine. It wasn't a, a sporting penalty of any way, but they accepted a fine last year, and obviously Red Bull accepted their penalty and their fine as well. Now, if... What you've got is if you're like Red Bull and you've already you're already in an ABA agreement, which is what they sign with the FIA, and you break that, you basically go straight to the cost cap panel. You there is no there is no negotiating this type and your points are on the table. They're suddenly at risk. Championships are at risk. Um, so it is a lot more severe even for a minor breach. But you must have broken the rules before that. So if you, if that happened to like McLaren Mercedes. And any of the other teams, they'd be fine because they go down the route that Red Bull did. But if it happens to a Red Bull or Aston Martin, they might just be in a lot more trouble because they're being doubted as serial offenders, effectively. So, yeah, we're waiting to see what happens on cost cap. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens on this one um, because with a lot of teams have played devil's advocate to it, knowing that the penalty you get is what Red Bull got. Um, which was one of the rumours that came out last year, that they went, actually, if that's all I'm going to get, I'm going to risk it for a biscuit and, and off I go. So enough on the cost cap, enough on the espresso news. That is your espresso news. And with that, we will move on to the coffee chat section. So in true fashion, let's get the coffee. Ooh, coffee chat section welcome to the coffee chat part and let's kick off with looking at the dutch grand prix now i'm going to have to refer to the sheet in front of me for finishing places but i just want to start by saying what a grand prix made absolutely by the weather let's be honest about it a track which going into we were told wasn't going to have overtakes and um, it wasn't going to have yeah a lot of action turned into just wow um Yeah, 186 overtakes beating record previously held by China. You know, 60 or 60 odd or something on lap three alone, um, which was obviously when the first downpour fell down. But yeah, what a weekend? What a absolute weekend! Fair play to the Dutch fans who were there. The atmosphere looked amazing on TV, and even like in the downpours, and there was some downpours there. They were singing, they were dancing, they were parading. It just looked like a real feel-good thing. And it's put Zandvoort well and truly on my bucket list of places to go up to a Grand Prix because I want to go dance with that lion. I'm sorry, I want to go dance with that lion. He was epic. Um, but yeah, to the race itself, there was some distinct winners, some distinct losers, wasn't there? So we're going to take it from the top going downwards. So match just happened. He and Seb's record, nine in a row. Um, On course get number 10. I'm fully expecting him to get number 10 in Monza. But yeah, I... There was talk about the pit stop strategy. Um, we'll come on to Checo in, in a minute. Ultimately, Max was the faster driver. He was the faster driver all weekend. He was always going to win that race. It was a case of a win. And even when safety cars picked him back, he pulled out the gap. So, yeah, phenomenal drive once again by Max. And you just, I struggle with people who can't just see how good he is. You don't have to like a driver to appreciate their talent in terms of Formula One. I mean, I I actually quite like Mats. Um, he reminds me a lot of Senna. He reminds me a bit of Schumacher, but not not quite as fiery off the track as what Schumacher was. Um, but yeah, he's got a lot of Senna to him, I think. But yeah, just what driver? What driver? What team? Um, if you get a chance, go watch that Red Bull pit stop in slow mo. I've got on like, my TikTok page. Change this plug there. Um, but yeah, go watch it. It's just poetry in motion when you see that pit stop up and it's just like, wow. And we've got Fernando Alonso in second place. He will be delighted to be back on the podium. Um, Aston Martin have made some changes to their package. They're trying to get their upgrade right. They're trying to get it to a place where they can go back to sort of pre-calendar level where they're hitting podiums all the time. It looked like it worked for them this weekend. Um, whether or not it's going to work? at Monza with a completely different downfall setting remains to be seen. Um there's been a lot of talk of Flexi Wing on the Aston Martin, which kind of looks a bit wing looking replays of the earlier news. But whatever it is, they look back on track this weekend. Fernando was some phenomenal overtaking. Phenomenal. That I think it was turn three where he just took a different line and just caught everyone napping all the time. It's just classic Fernando isn't it? It was just great to see. Um, and then Pierre Gazzi, what a shock completing the podium. Alpine, ironically, had one of the low, lower end of the race paces but got their strategy absolutely bang on the money when it comes to Pierre Gasly. So, you know, you've got to keep it on the track. You've got to keep your pit stops, you know, on track. You've got to literally make sure you call your strategy right. Alpine did all those things. And while I was a place, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything spectacular in the sense of driving. But let's not take away, actually, from that achievement. And that's a really good needle in the arm for Alpine a real good fuel factor for them because they needed that. Then we come on to Checo. Checo was a big beneficiary of pitting first for Inters, getting in the, the cut from Max. A lot of controversy over who should have pitted first. Um, when it comes to it, it's a tough call for me. I I understand why Red Bull did what they did with the threat from Alonso. I think it was not a credible threat because I think that he would have... Um, I think that Max would have taken Alonso all, all day. I don't think that that would have been an issue. But I understand what they're saying about covering it off. And um, it was unusual. You normally do choose strategy with the race leader, I must admit. But then Max is the number one driver, so we all know that. And Checo knows that. So it's one of those, isn't it? It's it's half a dozen one six here Should they, shouldn't they? I don't think that Checker would have been able to hold him off, just the same as I don't think he would have been held up by I don't think Max would have been held up by Alonso either. So it's one of those, isn't it? But he will be happy with that. Obviously got a five second penalty for speeding pit lane, not point eight kilometres over. Um that's probably just a bit late on the brakes. The, the conditions weren't weren't obviously great. Probably misjudged it slightly. It's one of those, isn't it? Yeah, 0.8 kilometers means that you were slowing down. He just didn't slow down enough by the time he hit the line. So just one of those things, unfortunately. But he'd be happy with fourth place where he started. Um, Carlos Sainz had a pretty sort of mediocre race for Ferrari in the sense that he was just there or thereabouts. Obviously, he compromised on the last stint because he went on to um, use Inter tyres. That affected him. Um And he was just holding on, really. But yeah, he'd be really pleased for those points and um, be really pleased to get that on the Obviously, Ferrari looking for a big result in Monza this weekend. They're looking for something from that team. um, And yeah, they need it. And certainly Charles needs it, who will come on to obviously later on. Um, it was Hamilton P6, he'd be happy with that after what was quite well, oh, it was a Mercedes disaster. Let's be honest about it. Mercedes called everything wrong, strategy wise. They absolutely dropped the ball this weekend. They started loose on the mediums, which in a dry race was the right idea. So if the weather forecast is dry, the idea is to start loose on the mediums, you give him the soft tyres at the end of the race because that's your second compound and he can make places back up and hunt people down. When you've got range, that is the most stupidest idea you've done, and then to leave him out on these mediums. Now, bear in mind, when the weather's falling, you would expect a bit of grip from the softs. Um, being the, the closest to the inters, so the fact that Lewis on the medium, he was pretty much hung out to dry at Suzuka. Um, yeah so Mercedes really dropped the ball on that one. Then of course we got Lando. Lando again was um, you know, had a bit of a kerfuffle with George. He was talking about lack of race pace, and the McLaren disappointed me in terms of where they qualified to where they finished the race. But again, strategy call. Um, not the first time for Lando that it's you know, not talk about Russia, but yeah same thing yeah left out too long lost too many paces, then didn't quite get it right for the second stint and yeah they'd be happy to go away with seventh but also disappointed that they weren't higher up than that i think they're expecting a lot more going into this weekend and going into the dutch grand prix so i'm expecting them to bounce back and Monza will be a good test to see if they'll be yeah if they're if they're back on track or not so we've then got alex album what he said say about Alex Albins driving. A lot of talk about, you know, how is shutting the door on him to Red Bull. He didn't want to go back to Red Bull, but oh my words, he is literally, his back must hurt from carrying Williams. Um, but yeah, amazing stint on his tyres. Not the longest on his tyres, but he was the one who stayed out longest um, at the beginning. Took a gamble. Gamble paid off. Held on for the points. Absolutely great strategy call by Williams. Great driving by Alex Albon to keep it together when the conditions were pretty crap. And yeah, they reap the benefit there up to what a seventh, I believe, in the constructor championship. Amazing achievement for for them. Um, they just need second driver really who score points as well to um solidify them. Then we've got Oscar Piastri in ninth place. Now Oscar would be happy with that recovery drive for there. He's he showed some really great pace at times in the race, and then just kind of disappeared a bit in the middle. So I'm not quite sure what happened with his race in terms of pace and overtaking. Um. But, again, he's stuck into the points. He'd be happy to take some points. He wasn't that far away from Lando in terms of positions. And I think it's one of those weekends where he just, you know, his qualifying was poor, which set him off on the bad foot. I think he would just be glad to box it off and go there. Remember, a lot of these tracks that Oscar's racing are tracks he hasn't actually driven before. So, I think that's playing a bit of a part as well. And, obviously, with his year out, with Alpine, probably hasn't helped that. So, yeah, Esteban Ocon in 10th place. Um Esteban, best comment of the week goes to Esteban when he was like, What use of these wet tyres? Um <laughs> You're right, you're right, Esteban. What use are the Pretty Wet tires? You know, name something more useless in the world at the moment. Pretty wet weather tires are those. Um dreadful choice by by um I'll put them on him. I don't know what they were thinking. Um and ironically, it's just one of those things in it but again, he's stuck in, got a point, he'd be happy with that. But he be he'll also be keeping one eye up. Gasly and be disappointed that Gasly got that podium place because he could have been in a very similar place if they got strategy right. So they pretty much dropped the ball on the other one. Um, then we've got Lance Stroll. What one more can say about Lance Stroll? Out the points that Aston Martin is is downright criminal, um, and Papa Stroll needs to take a long, hard look at what he does with the team because if he continues with, with Lance as the number two driver. They're not going to be near the top of the Constructors' Championship. They're not going to win a World Championship. They need a number two driver who can score in points, who can be consistent and can get closer to Fernando than what he currently is, to be all the way out of position down there. A poor weekend for Lance, poor weekend for Lance. A lot of speculation on his future, a lot of talk about it. We know that he was suffering with an infection. Um, but again, if you're not fit, put the reserve in. We had this before we launched at the beginning of the season with Bahrain. You know how many times do we have this? They they had Van Dorn there, they've got Drugovic. You know, Aston Martin when the teams have got a lot of experience in terms of reserve drivers who could drive for them. So it's not like they can risk that part as well. And you gotta wonder if you know I keep saying I would like to have seen a um Drugovic in testing in preseason testing I'd quite like to see Van Dorn there. I'd like to see what another driver does in like Aston Martin to say, is this Phil- I'd like to see this because I'd like to see, is this Fernando just, you know, driving the absolute everything on that car and outperforming? Or actually, is the Aston Martin that good and they, and they need a second driver to get those points? And the only way we know that is by putting someone in that car to see if they can get close to Fernando. So, yeah, would be really interested to see what happens with, with Lance Stroll um, and what his dad decides to do. And I'm keeping him real close eye on it because... We don't know when his contract's up. We don't know how long it's for. Um, in terms of exit, well, it can, be, it can be ended anytime they want, really, can't it? So, yeah, may if you be seeing what's going on with that one. Nico Hulkenberg, top of the Hasses again. Um, Haas, really poor tyre deck, really poor decisions, just just really struggling with actual race pace. Obviously, now confirmed. That was a part I missed on the Expressing News. So apologies for that one. But um, Hulkenberg and Magnussen confirmed for next season. And, yes, I knew that's from my foot to mention. So, yeah, um, they would be looking for a return on investment for that one. We know that they've asked Ferrari for help. We know that they've, they've asked Ferrari for some some help in terms of the tyre deck and helping give them the parts they need to solve that problem. Whether or not that's happening soon, I don't know, but they certainly need it, that's for sure. Um, Liam Lawson, 13th place, outperforming your teammate. Interesting, because, you know, I said before this, what happens if Liam Lawson comes in and scores points? We know that Yuki's the only one with points. Danny didn't finish in the points. And what if Yuki actually gets... Um, sorry, what if Liam actually comes in and gets a really good performance and scores some points? And suddenly, he is Alpha AlphaTauri's biggest point scorer. That That's going to pose a problem. Because what do you do with that in terms of the team and team dynamics? Because it's... Yeah, especially if Danny is missing for another couple of races and Liam gets into the stride. I mean... The poor lad had everything checked to him, didn't he? Red flags, you know, weather that was in of raining, people sliding, people going off. But he drove solidly. He wasn't spectacular. He had a really poor qualifying, as we imagined him to be, after he only had FP3 in the car. So, yeah, it's one of those things where he's there now in the sense of he's got the opportunity. and he's to take that opportunity. He needs to see what he can do with it. And I think he drove really well. I think, you know, really impressed with him some some great performances the one on ferrari i don't really get in terms of because of ferrari was damaged but hey it was good for good for his confidence um but yeah let's see what he can do in monza hopefully a more straightforward weekend for him lots of practice in in the car and yeah i'm really excited for it i'm really excited to see exactly what he can do i'm really excited to see what the potential is for liam in, the, in that car and see if he can mix it up a bit um then we've got valtteri bottas um Alfa Romeo just in in No Man's Land at the moment. They're really struggling. Um, I'm not going to dwell on it because I've said this far many times this year. They are literally 18 looking with one eye at the exit door with Alfa Romeo pulling out. They're in transition. We know that the money's being pumped into 2026 with, with Aldi putting the money aside for it. And I think we're going to have another couple of years of this. So if you're an Alfa Romeo Street Alba fan, sit down, buckle in. It's going to be a long, hard drive, that's for sure, for the next couple of seasons. Um, Yuki Tsunoda down in 15. I'm pretty sure he had a penalty, which also put him down that way. Um, but yeah, poor performance by Yuki. I expected more, I expected better from him. Um, not a lot to say on it, really. Outperformed by Liam Lawson, that won't go really down well. We know that Yuki's position is semi-solid due to the Honda agreement at the moment, but that Honda agreement's coming to an end, which means Honda are losing influence on you know selecting drivers and putting people in places. So be interesting to see what happens with Yuki. I still think they're going to keep him for next year, um, but I wonder that if he doesn't get some good results soon, he might be in trouble there. Kevin Magderson, obviously on the back of a, a new contract, but yeah, 16th the Hass Hass on race day. You know, Hass on qualifying really good. Hass on race day, just the wheels fall off it. Most of my bother with it, a Sunday at the moment. If you're Hass, um, just watch Saturday. Hope there's a is race racing. there to get some good results. Um. Then we had George Russell. Obviously, I don't know if George finished or whether or not he retired in the end. I'm pretty sure he finished last in 17th place. Um, I don't like George's entitled view. I just come out there and say, it. yeah, you, yeah, we predicted the podium. What's going on? What's going on, George? the strategy was crap, mate. Um, the strategy was rubbish, and that's why you end on the podium, buddy. Anyone can see that. You don't need to have that conversation on the team radio. That was just for sound I felt. In terms of himself, he needs to just concentrate on his driving more. Um, It's going to sound like a George Russell rant, but it's not. I just think that from a personal point of view, he needs to concentrate on driving more and earning that status that that comes with being a Mercedes driver. For me, he's not earned it yet. And I think the problem is, beating Lewis in his first season was probably the worst thing that could have happened to George because I think it gave him a wrong sense of entitlement within the team and and how he's viewed when actually. We all know that Lewis is number one, George is number two. And I know people might come me for that, but I still believe that. But I think George got great potential. So I think he just needs to knuckle down and get back to racing. Um he did that really well at Williams, so I want to see a lot more of that. Then we've got the not classified. Um we've got Joe Rang Yu, who obviously went into the wall went during the wet conditions. We've got Charles Leclerc who retired after getting floor damage. Um Charles Leclerc just I don't know what you can say to Charles Leclerc the pit stops were comical. Um, everything was just bad, weren't it? And then you've got you've got just his weekend in general. So I think... Uh, I don't know what to say about Charles. Clare. Uh, I rate the Clare. I just wonder if he needs a move to, you know, to give himself some new energies, a new purpose, a new focus, a different change of scenery. I think the expectations of trying to deliver a World Championship for Ferrari and his history with Ferrari is just too much for him currently. But that's just my personal view. Where did he go? Um... McLaren, Aston Martin, Mercedes. I'm sure all of those people would make room for Charles Leclerc if he become available. So I don't think he's short of options. That's not me basing that on anything. That's just me chucking some seats in there. Um, I don't know. Lando to Red Bull. Um, yeah, Charles Leclerc to, to McLaren. So anything's happened, haven't they? But yeah, all jokes aside, I think he needs to change the scenery or he needs to change in fortunes. And he needs it fast because he's a driver who looks shot on confidence at the moment. Um, And then we've got Logan Sargent. I mean, I touched on him in in the other part. What can you say about him? he looks a beat a man. That picture of him by the track for pretty much the whole race when he left him there was just, it it kind of broke your heart to watch it, didn't it? Let's be honest. Um, I think as a a guy, he seems genuine enough. As a racing driver, I don't think he's enough to keep his seat. I don't think he's close enough to Alex. I don't think he's in that same category. Um, He's not someone who set the world on fire. And I would not be surprised to see Williams change him next year at all. Um, I think pretty much it's a given, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think Luke and Sargent, he's on borrowed time. He's going. And that's pretty much it, really, for the Dutch Grand Prix. Like I said, you know, we've got the opportunity to see history this weekend with with Matt's going for the, the record for the amount of successive wins. Hopefully, I expect him to get it. We're going to come on to Monza in the next part, the takeaway so. With all of that in mind, that is my Dutch Grand Prix debrief. I hope you enjoyed it. Something a bit different for the coffee chat. And, yeah, let's get straight into the last part and the takeaway. So, this is the takeaway part. So, this isn't long at all. This is quite quick. But we're coming to Monza. Um, In terms of the Monza weekend, we've got a normal weekend in terms of no sprint races. We have got the second part of the alternative Qualifying tyre and um, providing it's a dry trap for qualifying. Now, that's the same as the one that we used in Hungary and um, at Think Links. It was obviously in London, it was cancelled. So, yeah, that's what we use in Hungary. So, what that will be is the mandatory tyres for qualifying with less tyres available to the team. So, in Q1, you're in the hard compound tyre, in Q2, you're in the medium compound tyre, and in Q3, you will run the soft compound tyre. So, less sets available, mandatory tyre allocation. It kinda of mixed up the order a bit in Hungary, so let's see what it does, yeah, you know, this weekend as well. I'm not a fan of it. I keep saying just reduce the number of tires. I don't understand why we have to make it mandatory. Just reduce the sets of tires and just say to the teams that's all you got and let them work out. So yeah, the FIA are pushing this one though. This is the second one, I believe it's the last one. There's only two scheduled in the rules, if I remember rightly, for this alternative tyre allocation. So fingers crossed the weather holds off. Um it does not seem to be a race weekend unless there's rain at the moment, so if we can get qualifying with that tyre allocation done, then that'd be that for the season um in terms of Monza, I mean come on to see home territory they're going to give yeah the the Dutch a rival in terms of atmosphere um another track which just makes you just want to go a feel good vibe um well, I don't hear good things about travelling to Monza personally from what I've read and that light, in terms of the actual race experience, but certainly for the outsider looking in, it looks amazing to to go see that sea of red. Yeah, I've just come from a of orange about to see a Sierra red Ferrari. Will be looking. They've got their special livery. and does kind of make them look like a, a bit of the old school McDonald's uniform. Ain't gonna lie, but yeah, it's a good tribute to Le Mans. And hopefully, they'll be they'll be hoping that the Le Mans sort of spirit will take them to a win because that's what they really want. Let's be honest about it. But what have we got? We've got fifty three laps of action. We've got two DRS zones, if I remember rightly, and three hundred and six kilometers in total. 53 laps in total, two DRS zones, Barrichello back in 2004 holds a lap record, Um, 121 I believe is Barrichello's lap record, so yeah, it's going to be interesting, it's going to be low downforce, high speed, it's going to be great to see these, not the most technical track, very much built around speed, very much built around who's got the fastest sort of car, expect the Williams to be quite competitive, we'll see if McLaren's updates are here to stay, I'm expecting Mercedes and Aston may struggle a bit. They don't tend to like these tracks a lot. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them not as higher. Um, Red Bull offense going to fly around here. And I do think that, you know, I th- I don't think Alpine will. I think they're going to struggle looking at that. Um Haas may do well. But whether or not they can keep hold of the tire deck will be the one, wouldn't it? So I think qualifying you might see a strong performance from Haas. I think Ferrari would also be looking to do well here, and I think they've got the cards to do well. So yeah, all to pay for. I can't see past Max winning again. I'm sorry. Um may sound like a broken record, but I I firmly believe in to break the record and I firmly believe Red Bull to, to get the sweep. off in the R B nineteen around here is just gonna be it's gonna be too much for anyone. Um, that as well as Max obviously driving that RB19 so I say the RB19 but I'm not sure Checker's going to get second actually so I'm going for Max win. I'm going for Charlotte second and then I'm going for Checker in third place is what I'm going for so that is my prediction for Monza that is the end of the podcast, that is it for F1 Coffee Corner 4 Beans um, the only thing left for me to say is shameless plugs. so if you haven't already please hit that subscribe button Um, that follow button, whatever it is you do on the platform that you listen to. Um, Appreciate everybody who drops support and appreciate the comments when they come. I don't do enough of these and I'm trying to get a lot better at them. So fingers crossed we'll be able to get a lot more regularly in terms of the second season, second half of the season. But for me personally, it's been a real, not a struggle because it's never a struggle, it's been a real challenge in terms of mixing time with everything that's going on. Um, On that note, I just want to say thank you for all the support I've had. I've been able to do some... Pretty amazing things recently. So Formula E media, Silverstone Festival media, and that's only that's only an opportunity I get because of all the people liking and supporting the page. We've obviously launched on Fanamp now, so shameless plug for that. If you haven't already, please go and download the Fanamp app. Um, you've got the Coffee Corner community on there. It's like Facebook, but for Formula One. It's got loads of stuff on there. Not just my base on there. There's news on there every day. There's stuff about travel on there. There's stuff about fantasy. Formula One on there, all sorts of information on that. And of course the coffee corners on there as well. So what that is is more of a, a quick fire one stop shop for for you on there, all dedicated to Formula One. If you get a chance, download it. I'm enjoying being on there. It's really good to be able to put stuff on there a lot quicker than making a TikTok because you can post like Facebook, you can put a photo on there, you put those things on there which you know aren't suitable for TikTok to get that on there. Um but that's not affecting any of the content that you currently see on you know TikTok, on Instagram, all those things. They still remain the same. Fanamp won't change that. It's just an extension of that. It's just building a community base and it's building a platform where actually we can talk, we can get stuff on there without the restriction of characters, without the restriction of comments on one one video. So a much more community feel, which um, TikTok and Instagram stuff can't do at the moment. So it is very much an extension. If you haven't already, check the links in the bio there on there for it. And yeah, like I said, I just want to say thank you for all of the well wishes, all of the support. None of this is, you know, sort of anywhere near reality without everyone who clicks, likes, comments and who's been on this crazy, crazy journey. So, yeah, it's not finished yet. Some stuff in the pipeline, some dreams still to achieve. And with that, I will say thank you very much for listening. Like I say, get a chance, hit that subscribe button, drop a review, you know, drop a follow. It won't hurt you. It won't cost you nothing. And I'll bid you all farewell and I'll see you soon. Stay safe.